What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And uh, if you want to help support the podcast and uh, contribute to the sustainability of this thing, a free way to help out, you can click subscribe on iTunes and uh, click the five stars. Say a few nice words on the click writer review. And uh, that will help propel the podcast in the tops of the iTunes charts. And uh, we'll make the podcast more visible on on a national level, internationally, and uh, ultimately help strangers find the podcast. And also, if you hit subscribe, then the new episode just uh, pops into your feed every Friday. You don't have to go looking for it. It'll uh, send you a notification when it's available to listen. And uh, you can also check out the uh, Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances, live show stuff, as well as a short doc that I did on the band Tribe Mars last year. That is all there for your viewing pleasure. Live videos from uh, my filming at the Doug Fur back in November are uh, on the brink of hitting the feed. We're going to release these autonomics videos soon. Very excited. Super pumped. These are the dopest videos that I have ever produced, and I'm super proud of them, so I'm, I'm stoked stoked to share them with everybody. The Doug Fur is uh, a wonderful venue here in Portland, Oregon, and uh, definitely one of my favorite venues in the country, and um, this is kind of a legendary place to me, so it was super rad to have the opportunity to to do some filming there with uh, three really amazing bands. So stay tuned for videos from Autonomics, Gold Casio, and uh, Strange Hotels. You can hit subscribe on the YouTube channel as well. DanCablePresents.com is the central location to find everything going on. And uh, at DanCablePresents is where you can find me on Instagram, and that's where I'm usually plugging shows that I'm throwing Things going on at the library at Growler's Tap Room, which is the uh, venue that I book for here in Portland. Lots of good shows coming up there, and uh, including this Friday, if you're listening on release day, there is a Brother Not Brother show there with Alex C. Mills and Vanny Hands. And then next week at the library on the 22nd, we got a uh, rap show going on uh, for all you hip-hop heads out there. There is a, a very killer lineup of folks, including one of my favorite MCs, rappers in town, and a, a dude that I find to be very next level, a former guest of the podcast, two-time guest, Matt Randall. That's a show that he put together there with uh, Young Shirtman and Heavy Gold, and looks like uh, DC Capital. A special guest appearance by DC Capital is in order as well. It's just a $5 cover. Um, this is going to be a great show over there. I'm super pumped for that one. 
And uh, what else do we have going on? Oh, this is a newly announced thing in April. On April 13th, in collaboration with former guest of the podcast, Sam Densmore, I am uh, helping throw this uh, Portland music video fest slash concert which i'm uh, super stoked to be working with sam on this project something he approached me about and uh, i like the idea of it and uh, just kind of a another opportunity to try something that i've never really done before and i'm um, kind of uh, stoked at the challenge of it things seem to be coming together I will put the link in the uh, the episode notes. It's free to submit your music videos. We're picking 15 to 20, depending on the length of the videos. We're going to show about an hour and a half of music videos um, at the Clinton Street Theater on April 13th. And then all the music videos will be followed by a really cool lineup of music, which we'll be announcing uh, next week or so. But, uh, yeah, it's free to submit. Submissions are going down until March 1st. So uh, submit a video. Submit two. Um, throw your hat in the ring. It's going to be a really cool event, and I'm, and I'm stoked, to be, stoked to be a part of it. I will not be, unfortunately, I won't be in town when it happens, but, uh, but it's nonetheless going to be a very, very awesome event at the Clinton Street Theater, April 13th keep that on your radar and uh like i said if you have a band you have a video submit it throw it in there let's do it um also another announcement fresh off the press i'm throwing a uh 420 fest at uh cider riot a little warehouse style show and uh the lineup is stacked with tribe mars headlining one of my favorite bands here. As mentioned before, I'm, I uh, put out a short documentary on them last year. And uh, so Tribe, we got High Pulp coming down from Seattle. Incredible funk band. Funk fusion, in your face. Amazing musicians. Unreal. We got Weed on the bill. Weed! <laughs> and because uh, you, you can't have 420 Fest without the band weed and uh and then we got uh super secret band which is a whole nother thing that i will be shedding light on in the uh the upcoming weeks but super secret band crazy good instrumental jam band is going to be a part of that as well so 420 it's going down so 413 music video fest 420 uh just a cool 420 fest of, of uh, incredibly dope music. Anyway, we got episode 149 for you today. Approaching 150 here, which honestly kind of snuck up on me. It's pretty wild. I am uh, stoked to uh, share this conversation on this episode with Stoner Control. This band is so fucking cool and uh not only is their music great they are such fun people to hang out with and i'm uh just super stoked that i've had the opportunity over uh you know over this podcast and um a few weeks back uh 
Stoner Control played at the library, and I got to know Charlie and Mike a little bit, and uh, this was just such a killer hang, and and um, couldn't have been a nicer group of dudes, and uh, I feel like I'm getting better at these full band or multiple person interviews, um, or at least hopefully I am. It's definitely my goal. One of my goals for uh, going forward with this thing is is always to try to become a better facilitator of conversations and uh, managing a conversation or interview where there is more than one to two guests um, can definitely has its challenges and I'm definitely always seeking to uh, to learn and find new ways to kind of make sure that everybody gets involved and it doesn't hopefully get overtaken by um, one person in the band and and obviously, when there's uh, maybe a main songwriter in a band, that person is maybe going to end up having the most to say, and I think that's that's kind of a, a natural things of uh, unfolding. But I'm definitely just uh, just trying to get better about how to include everyone else in the band and and get their perspective as well. And uh, hopefully, I did that with this here episode with these with these dudes like i said we had a uh, a great hang and um this seeing this band a couple weeks ago was definitely one of my favorite sets that i had seen in a long time there's just a um high energy to it and it's it's great music and it's i think things that uh definitely resonate with me on a level of of just kind of i feel like some of the music that i grew up with but also some of the music that i enjoy currently so it's it's uh these dudes are crushing it that's what i'm trying to say these dudes are crushing it and uh they have some records to check out so you can find it all on the streaming services i will uh put links in the episode notes so you can keep up with the band they have a couple shows coming up uh, if you're listening to this on release day, they're playing tonight. They're playing February 15th at Future Bar. They play at 8 p.m. But uh, they also have two shows in March. So a couple of op- opportunities to to see this band. If you enjoy this chat or you, uh, you like the tunes that we feature on the episode, they're playing March 14th at White Owl. Not White Eagle. They're playing at White Owl. And then they're playing March 28th at uh, Turn, Turn, Turn. So couple opportunities to see this band and uh like i said i i just really enjoyed this conversation and to be honest i was feeling extremely burnt out but i was uh i was stoked to hang with these dudes and and uh definitely was a conversation that uh that filled me up and and we had a lot of laughs and and kind of just geeked out on some music and and talked about their records and and whatnot oh also one other thing to plug mike the uh, drummer of stoner control has a radio show that he does on kboo which is 90.7 fm here in uh in portland and you can also find it at kboo.com but it's every third monday of the month 
from 6 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. It's called Labor Radio. He discusses politics and uh, cultural news, events, and, and topics that are relevant for uh, working class people and uh, the growing labor movement. So if you want to get more details on uh, those types of things and, and uh, politics is your jam, then uh, definitely check out that show, especially if you enjoy the uh, the sweet sounds of, of Mike's voice on this here episode of the podcast. That's it. That's all the ramblings for up top. Let's get into this thing. Uh, please leave your iTunes reviews. It's so important to the, the sustainability of this thing and just kind of getting the the word out on it so uh, maybe we can get some more sponsorships going on and and uh yeah just just help grow the show take the next step in doing so like i said it's free it's free as fuck to leave a review all right it's free as fuck and uh i appreciate the hell out of all the people that have already done so and i appreciate all the people that just continue to listen to this thing like I said, new listeners, welcome aboard. I think this is a great episode to jump in on. All the episode notes, god damn it, every time. All the links are in the episode notes to keep up with the band and myself and uh, all things going on with the library and that music video fest as well. So just check it out. It's all there. And uh, we're going to get into it. Episode 149 with Stoner Control. We're kicking it off with a jam, which is off the, the most recent release by this band, which is called Alone in the City. And the first track off that record is called Hollywood Hills. Let's get into it. Stoner Control, you ready to uh, to jump into this thing? I would love to. Yeah. I am. Uh, I'm stoked to to hang out and, and chat it up with y'all. Um, Us too. I finally got to see 
well, two of the three of you play a live show a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. here at the uh, the library where we're recording this. But um, I think it was maybe uh, towards the end of last year that I kind of started hearing your name a lot or seeing your name on bills and stuff around Sweet. town. I think Bum was definitely my entry point right into on. the band. That's awesome. But uh, intended. Yeah, and, and I've definitely been geeking out on your your newest release alone in the city as well as the self-titled but you know i don't don't really know too much about you folks and how this thing came together so i thought we would i know i know sam is the the most recent member of the band but has been around for a year or so is that yeah 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 and sam was kind of part of our crew before that too like we we were friends and jammed together all the time before that so yeah how sam was definitely around yeah charlie how did you and mike start playing music together well um so mike and sam played in a band called the green carts and i played in a band called roxbury before this and we used to play shows together all the time and i wanted to start a side project to do kind of more like pop punk type stuff you know a little more energy and uh i hit up mike and he was down to kind of play just it was a little more uh casual then it wasn't like a really serious thing and mike was down to play a few shows and it just kind of kept going yeah are you guys all from the portland area well i am but these fellas yeah sam and i are not uh, i'm from well yeah we're like the la transplants yeah, we're both from Silicon but we did it before yeah. the show oh, yeah we, we did it before it was cool so like Me too, guys everyone copied us. Right, cool. don't i always tell people when they come on this podcast you don't be ashamed yeah all right don't let them shame you <laughs> I, I always say like you know a city like you know the big cultural cities like new york or chicago or la like people there don't sit around thinking like oh someone came here there's a bunch of people coming from iowa or some crap yeah you know? that's true that's part of like the liberal right. guilt i guess well um, it's like part of the the concept <laughs> that this city is it's become an international or it's become like a recognized place and that means people want to be here versus a city that no one wants to come to like do you really want to rep that town i think right. it makes it cooler that a bunch of us yeah i agree from california but we all want to come here because this place is fucking bitching mm-hmm. yeah. yeah for sure you just kind of get lumped into being a part of the problem somehow right. of like it's so stupid and all the californians get blamed it's right. just like we're it's, it's the closest state it's <laughs> <laughs> like of course there's gonna be more of us coming right. from there yeah. next closest state where's the uh, like where else would you go you know it's like such a good West Coast spot is so separate. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah so you seattle right you this go to washington be- you go to colorado oh New York, you know i don't want to start no any, please like, do <laughs> I, love I just don't i don't have like i don't charlie see. doesn't fuck with seattle I <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to play charlie shows there never invite us to seattle I would love invite us to Seattle, <laughs> but I don't know if I had to choose which one I would move to. I'd choose here because it still is like a little more low key. I'd say. Oh yeah, plus it's, it's cheaper. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's that fact. It's like the right size city. It's like if I were to move, it would be to go to a smaller version of Portland. But it's like any bigger and more. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's just incredibly accessible. Yeah. yeah I was digging like, the part on when you had Hutch on the podcast, are you talking about how easy it is to get around here and just do anything? And that's like, I don't even think about that, but that's so true. Well, even yeah. with the, you know, I mean, it's it's fair to say that there is an increased amount of traffic in this city. Absolutely. Even in the six years that I've been here. But it is, 
nowhere near <laughs> the amount of traffic that happens in in any other like major city no. and i guess that's probably not what people from here want to hear <laughs> no but <laughs> like, it's like you know we were raised on the 405 it was like this is like nothing LA. it's still great yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah it takes i mean tops even at rush hour like getting from here to wilsonville to practice with our other other band it takes like maybe an hour tops and that's going between cities essentially yeah i mean trying to get like i remember one time growing up uh, i was visiting my friend we were gonna go to a dodger game he lived in Pasadena, and I went from West Los Angeles to Pasadena. It took me three and a half hours. <laughs> I, mean, I left like 2.30 in the afternoon. It took me three and a half hours to get to his house, and that was just one way, 60 miles through L.A. Oh my yeah, dude, God. that's the fucking joke of L.A. Yeah. is that you have you to like really plan your whole day about trying to get to another, exactly. another part of it. I grew up outside of the city, like oh, in, cool. in uh, Riverside County, okay. Corona to, to be the, specific. To yeah, absolutely. The IE <laughs> representing IE, baby. <laughs> Bring it. But uh, yeah, that was like a whole, that's like a whole day you have to plan. It's like, we're going to LA today. Right. Like, you're <laughs> just going to drive. Is there somewhere we can crash if we get too messed up? Like, yeah. What are we going to do? Yeah, you put everything in your car and you're just like, all right, this is my full 24 hour kit right here. Yeah. I, you, I need for the day. Yeah, yeah. You leave like four yeah. hours earlier than the event is because right. you're afraid that you don't know like what the traffic situation is going to be. And you got to deal with parking, which is a whole other beast down there. Yeah. Um, that's why the music was so important. You had to have all the right, right. mixed CDs. Yeah, you had to have everything you had to have set the up. The whole like binder of things to listen to it had to be good. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, there's no need for that for the most part here. I mean, even if you're driving all the way across town, or you know, like like I said to Wilsonville, it's yeah, it's such a short drive that it really there's nothing that that would require you to have a full like playlist ready to go or anything like that. Yeah, pack an overnight bag. Did you guys know know each other back? In L.A.? We actually went to college. We didn't know each other in L.A. We went to college together mm -hmm. here. We went to Lewis and Clark um, back. We started in 2006. And okay. met like pretty much right yep. away. Started playing music. Lived together uh, through the end of college and afterwards a little bit. And then just became best friends and played music all the way since yeah. then. Right on. And Charlie, did you uh, pick up music at a pretty young age? You've been writing yeah. songs for a long time? Um, well, I took piano from like age six to like. 12 ish and then i always wanted to play guitar i was never that into piano and then once i started playing guitar like within the like six months of playing i wanted to start writing my own song so i don't know how they were they probably weren't that good but it was always something i wanted to do yeah were you always uh pretty comfortable with being kind of like the front person of of um, a band or, or singing songs in yeah, front of people um, not really it was never something i thought i could do and i think there's a lot of like Kids aren't encouraged to like sing if they're bad, you know. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you can't sing. You should stop. So I was always told I couldn't drums. sing, so I kind of <laughs> didn't think I could. And then when I started playing with Roxbury, he's like, I'm gonna sing for now until we <clears throat> until we could find a singer who was like actually good. And I we just I I started to like it, and you know, start to get you start to get better, and you know, you're like, okay, this is cool. Yeah, and how uh, like how quickly after. You guys started kind of like fucking around playing music together that you wanted to kind of pursue stoner control a little more intently instead of just having it be this side project? Yeah, it happened really naturally. Honestly, like immediately when Mike and I started playing together, it just worked in a way that, that my other band wasn't. I wasn't going to end that other band. That just kind of ended naturally, you know? Well, and not before you had a better band to leave. Right, for. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't, well, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like, well, I'm going to stop because this other band's way better. But 
it just kind of worked in a way that that other band wasn't. And I think when you get in with someone who that happens where it's kind of effortless, like that's really important and you should like capitalize on that. Mike is also pretty magical and charming. <laughs> Not to mention, yeah, let the record yeah. show. I, <laughs> let the record stay. I understand. <laughs> well, right back at you. It's buddy. very mesmerized. <laughs> but yeah, it was actually cool. I mean, as soon as Charlie reached out to me, because we had, we had talked to three of us um, before Sam actually ended up going away to grad school for a while. So the green cards, the band we were in, you know, dissolved for, or went on hiatus and we had talked about playing together and then Charlie reached out to me a few months after Sam left. And within, I think, I mean, I maybe have the timeline slightly wrong, but I think within about three weeks or a month of like meeting up, learning songs, we were already playing shows and preparing to record music. Yeah, definitely. It was like super quick. I think, so we met up, that first album. we played, a show like after two weeks of Mike just coming over to my dad's house and I was practicing with my sister who played bass for like the first year of the band and then like the next month we recorded our first EP so it was like really quick shout out to Marley <laughs> yep. um, were, were you guys' bands playing together before you guys started Stoner Control yeah, yeah we were playing shows yeah. together and stuff yeah we actually met at the analog, I think Charlie booked a show there like it was like seven or eight years ago now, Man, and yeah, uh, yeah I, we really dug each other's music. Right on. Yeah, yeah we just got thing. along and like we liked each other's stuff, and it was like, well, I guess we should keep playing shows together. So there was already kind of like a hang dynamic before starting well, to play the here's music. Here's the thing: maybe Sammy should tell the story <laughs> about us being. Well, I don't. The, the analog's long gone, so we can shit on them all we want. <laughs> yeah, Sam was can. hooking us up. That with went down shots in flames. And shit, we were not. Yeah, no one's coming. Well, I was getting drinks and I was leaving on the table and looking the other way. And if they happen to disappear while I wasn't looking, then uh, you know. Charlie, know. for the record, was under twenty-one at that. Mm-hmm. Point. I was well <laughs> under twenty-one, so it was like. These were my hookups, you know, for the <laughs> yeah. getting drunk before shows. We were the bad influence. That's why you wanted to play with us. <laughs> you got to you better. got to have the fun of like standing outside of the venue before oh the God. band takes the stage. <laughs> I do not miss that. I had to do that too many times. Dude, that's the worst, right? It sucked. We had to do that at the No when it was on Alberta. We had to do that at Dante's. Which I don't it's know why the fuck we were playing at Dante's, but <laughs> I, not that it's bad, but we were not ready to be playing at Dante's at that point. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what what uh, what kind of drew you into to Charlie's songwriting, Mike? When you started playing together, yeah, I mean, it really, aside from the fact that like I just enjoyed hanging out with Charlie, so that worked pretty well. But musically, it it reminded me of kind of what re- this current band reminds me of like this current iteration just the music I grew up on in the 90s um, Charlie was throwing it back to a style that I remember making mixtapes from you know like recording off the radio yeah like, absolutely dual cassette tape <laughs> we're probably yeah. around the same age probably yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember pre uh, Napster and all that stuff and just yeah making mixtapes of like really cool early 90s music pre-burning cds exactly (laughs) you had to have the the, i remember specifically like it was a casio and it had two cassette decks and you record one and then you mix the whole thing onto the other one man that was capturing radio jams and shit (laughs) waiting to see when the song starts and pushing record right then then missing it up and like recording halfway through a song yeah and you'd be pissed off if they played like a short version or like a dj (laughs) cuts you're like dude right oh Dude, you fucked up my take. Like, yeah, or if they start like damn. playing it as he as like an outro for whatever the DJ's talking about, and you're like, yeah. oh man, I was ready for this song, and I have to <laughs> figure out exactly where to go back to. But yeah, I mean that. So the the songs that Charlie was bringing to me and, and the vibe that he had just reminded me of music. Like I remember the first band I was in growing up 
was the lead singer put this band together. He essentially wanted to be a cross between Third Eye Blind and Eve Six. Perfect. And I was like, cool, oh, I mean, man. I, I want to play Dude, drums. we're still that. that <laughs> Dude, is like that literally yeah. still. 20 some odd years later, bring it full circle, you know? <laughs> yeah. How, how much younger are you than I think these we're guys? like five years younger. You're, I'm 24. I'm 31. So, so you're seven years younger. So, yeah. so yeah. was that stuff that you were listening to, though? Um, like, like that, like that era of, of late nineties, early two thousands music. Did that have a big impact? Definitely. I still am listening to that same stuff. I think like when I hit up Mike, it was like, just, this is a green day cover band. Basically just think of it like that. And we're in my notes, man, that that, like (laughs) this, this music reminds me of, of stuff off like Kerplunk and and yeah, definitely. That was like what made me want to start this band was like Kerplunk and Dookie and like let's just like not fuck around and just make like a really fun fast song. Yeah, Trey Cool. I mean, still yeah. one of the most seminal drummers. In Mike my does the best Trey Cool out of any <laughs> besides Trey That's Cool. High praise. Yeah, he's like Trey Cool. If yeah, he's the other Trey Cool. Yeah, besides Trey. super Trey Cool. That Dookie record was definitely one of the first things I had in them. It's still like really good. Yeah, it's amazing. And I was like eight when it came out. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I had it that early too. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but it just worked <laughs> out that way. Like the radio was fucking banging when when I was you know yeah. eight mm-hmm. to fifteen. You know, and it was real good for especially Southern California. K Rock, so yeah, man, K Rock, <laughs> and then the one oh one the indie radio station that came around that had the guy from Sex Pistols. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jonesy from Sex Pistols hosted like the big punk show on there. Oh yeah, like he had like a jukebox control kind of interview show. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, man, that was. There was some good radio back in the day. Yeah, for sure. So you were just geeking out on a lot of the same music then when you started bringing these well, tunes? Well, yeah, I was like geeking out on that stuff hard when Mike, I'm sure Mike was probably like a little more mature than I was listening to like more you know, mature music, but like I was just listening to like pop punk and simple stuff. You know? Yeah. That's what really influenced me at that time. For sure, yeah. Like what What are, uh, what were some of like the bands aside from Green Day for you that, like had a pretty big early impact on on the songwriting well death cab is one of my favorite bands they were like a big when i was starting to play at least not so much on this band but like just on my overall because i learned to play by playing those songs so i feel like that's like a big part of what i do and then like uh the thermals were a big part about starting this band i loved them and they kind of were blowing my mind again yeah like i kind of looped back around to them so many times in my life and we'll definitely talk about working with hutch for sure as we as we get deeper because like i think that's i think the two big bands for like this band when i was starting it that i was listening to a lot were green day and the thermals for sure yeah in shows (laughs) yeah absolutely no No, that comes through (laughs) in a good way that is it uh it comes through quite a bit because there is just that little bit of an age gap do you guys find that you're passing a lot of music back and forth to each other that Maybe you wouldn't have heard without. Sure, yeah, definitely. The I mean, yeah, definitely. I think Sam showed me um, "Sucked Out" by Super Drag. Oh yeah, sure. And that's like I yeah. just love that song so much now. Yeah, but that's like you know that's just one of the examples. Mike yeah. Mike has shown me like a lot of good Dawes songs and like I guess more like alt country style stuff like different ryan adams songs that i hadn't heard oh, and i love yeah. ryan adams and all that stuff too so likewise and yeah just all that alt country stuff is, is been it's so good real big like yeah the old yeah. 97s yeah. we went and saw them together and yeah, it was, was a great a show 
I just like Jason Isbell has been yeah yeah oh, so good. huge yeah, for me these last few years man that dude is just he's kind of like unreal he's songwriter. the one who's carrying like the torch you know because yeah. he's popular but he's like doing it right and not not no bullshit he's got some surprising longevity I mean like I've seen people from across the musical spectrum be influenced by him or appreciate his music like famous people too so I Oh yeah, Shout out to well, him, you played man. in the truckers for a while, yeah. so like he got like the hard kind of thing. Right and now he's like a bit more kind of, you know, polished. Yeah, he's fitting in know? with this current time of like a little more polished, a little softer. Mm -hmm. well, oh, and he I mean, finally got a break. Right. right. Yeah, I, guess <laughs> that's a big thing. I mean, yeah, as far yeah. as like a mainstream break, I mean, the dude's been playing music forever and mm -hmm. putting out records, so it's. Like I always think, it's really cool to get to see somebody like that, who's all of a sudden everybody's like, "Yeah, totally deserves." You heard it. about Jason Isbell, dude? Right. He's like the greatest <laughs> songwriter of all time. Did you ever yeah. hear of Drive My Truck? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, to be fair, like I didn't really know who he was before Southeastern either, you know. <laughs> but but like, it's it's it is crazy to kind of like see something like that bang and then just put out three records in a row where it just yeah. gets a lot of attention and and all the Sturgill Simpson stuff, right? Yeah. Like sits in that same kind of world and yeah. Yeah, because I don't know a lot. A lot of people don't don't even know about that style of country music. They just think the country music is what exists on the uh, the pop radio. It's so right. cool that that type of country is being made still, and there's kind of people like that who are who are carrying on that tradition. Like yeah, pop country is just. I mean, like the the Garth Brooksy, you know the wolf whatever that station is like that type of music yeah, is just one very small yeah exactly that's like one very small slice of what country music is and it's like a more modern iteration of it but like there's so much more country music out there that people that people write off in the same way they write off you know a lot of other music they write off country music as like that's that's all crap yeah it's like yeah because you don't like the top 10 hits you yeah, know that you so hear on the radio stupid. but like listen to some outlaw country like listen to yeah what we're talking about yeah here. sure and so much good country I and like um like it depends on like the twang on the vocal i feel like it's yeah. like you know I think someone like Ryan Adams, he has like a pretty like, you know, straightforward kind of everyman kind of voice. Yeah. You know, like it's not too twangy. Whereas yeah. I could see why some people like if it gets too country, you know. Yeah, for that sure. That kind of turns them off. Absolutely. Yeah. Just if you listen to like Merle Haggard or something, he's got that intense twang on his voice. But it's just the songs are a little more. They have, I mean, granted, I'm sure that there's a lot of current country that I don't know that has like real mm -hmm. true emotions in them. But like some of his songs were real and lyrically they were incredible. But he also had that twang on it. I think it's just mm -hmm. sort of a result of the 90s like garth brooks era <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean and i don't know there's always going to be certain vocals that don't register well for people like whether right. it's that yeah. country twang or uh like an anthony green type high-pitched voice uh, that maybe some people can't get down with yeah, or yeah, like a nickelback yeah chad <laughs> chad kroger <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> shout out chad kroger shout of course you know well chad kroger rips so actually i'm trying to bring that back you know what's crazy about all that shit you know for like as much like shit as nickelback gets and, and probably well deserves it's like those motherfuckers sell out arena, right? Oh yeah, definitely. like, hey, he, fuck you, like they, that, that, they don't care about any of the haters. They're like, I don't care. Yeah, I'm getting paid. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. It's yeah. crazy for like somebody to be able to like tap into that formula though, like the way that dude has. Yeah, or definitely. Especially in that, maybe not now, but like in that five year period mm -hmm. where like there was fucking five or six Nickelback songs on the top ten and shit. Yeah, it's all just the like, time. What the fuck? And is they were happening? the same song. Like, who's yeah. listening to yeah. again? Yeah, like who is making this popular? But, oh, I yeah. think there was even like he even like said that in interviews. He's just like, I figured out what people like. Like, why I wouldn't I, I, I don't keep... hate it all? I think that's awesome. 
No, we're just jealous that we think of it first. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's like we're talking about like um, we're talking about Pearl Jam earlier, and it's like you know they're kind of like the you know current iteration of Pearl Jam, even though Pearl Jam still plays. They're like you know like a different <laughs> version of that, and you know I don't know. Yeah, it works. I feel like I can understand Pearl Jam in in set in a time more than I can understand where Nickelback came from. I mean, like mm-hmm. Nickelback, I feel like came out of a void and just found its own way. <laughs> Whereas, like Pearl Jam makes sense. Like, not only are they a great band and Eddie Vedder is an incredible vocalist, but like they make sense coming out of Seattle at in the early nineties. Sure, yeah, yeah. Grunge era. yeah, and they had like the Zeppelin-y kind of like yeah, just amazing musicianship. And they just yeah. rode the wave of like, oh, anything from Seattle, let's sign those bands. Like, yeah, yeah, or whatever. But also like created this incredibly sustainable band too, 